So welcome, 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 so welcome. No stupid, no stupid questions. Hello, no stupid questions. everybody. This week, welcome, folks. It's for real. With for real. T-Link like, and Jack. Like no, no <laughs> specific order. No stupid <laughs> questions. So, <laughs> can we curse on the show? We can do whatever it's we feel. Okay. Time is a question for today. No. Rah, rah, like All right. Stupid. So, question. Hi. What's the name of the show, Jack? No stupid questions. Welcome to this episode. My first question is, who are you? No stupid question. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the No Stupid Questions show. This is Jay, and I and virtually I have T. Leak here. Hey, 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 hi. Yeah, this is the show where you have two smart people and one stupid question, or so we thought. Mm. T. Leak, how you doing? Yes. I am. I'm okay. I'm okay. Hey. I'm hanging. I'm hanging in there, and I'm. I, I am serious about that this time. I'm. I'm hanging. It's. It's. It's a struggle, but I'm. Well, we, we're I'm, trying I'm to usher. We're trying to usher this year out and usher in a new one, and hopefully, um, hopefully, it's better things in store for 2021. I'm, 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 I'm counting on that. Okay, okay. So, <laughs> as one of the final shows, what is our question <laughs> for today? Uh, well, we should, you know, the end of the year is a time of reflection. Okay. And given all, everything we've had leading up to the end of this year here in the U.S., the question that I'm going to ask is is the U.S. form of democracy inherently racist? Ooh. Take all those words together now. Our form of democracy, inherently and racist. What's your out of the gate answer? My out of the gate answer is yes. Oh, oh, oh. (laughs) It's yes. My out of the gate answer is yes. And... I'm right with you. I'm right behind you. Like, hey, wait for me. <laughs> so, you know, this is a tough one. So, uh, really, I guess we have to. Well, it's it's tough because it it, it impacts me on the day to day basis and impacts people I care about on a day to day basis. How so? And we, you know, we like to think that we live in a fair society. You know, this is the land of opportunity, right? So. Yeah, we had the opportunity to be brought here and work without pay. That was the initial opportunity that was presented to us, yes. (laughs) And we like to think that we have come a long way in the last 200 years. Where did that phrase come from? Just just out of curiosity. 200 years? uh, No. Uh Oh. (laughs) No, not four score. You know, know, but there are some people question about whether or not there was 400 years of slavery. Right. Um, you know, I, I got I you. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna debate that. I'm okay. asking, regardless of the time frame, when were we dubbed the land of opportunity? I, I actually don't know the answer to that question. Do Do you know? I'm gonna. Go I, I don't know when that handy. phrase became. I don't know when that phrase became popular, but I, I think a lot of people escaped. Not, and I'm not talking about my people, because my people didn't come here after escaping anything. They were captured to come here, but a lot of other people escaped what were less than desirable situations back in their motherland before they came to America. So I think they see it as the land of opportunity. Clearly, if you come in chains at the bottom of a slave ship, you probably don't probably don't look at it as a land of opportunity. Okay. So land of opportunity for everyone other than black folks. 
All right, and you know there's a bunch of different ideas on how the the term originated, but it is it says that it was coined by writer and historian James Truslow Adams in his best-selling 1931 book, Epic of hmm. America. He described America as the dream, that dream of a land in which life should be better and richer and fuller for everyone with opportunity for each according to ability or achievement. That sounds nice, doesn't it? <laughs> that it does. That it does. Now it's so, interesting. So, oh, go ahead. Sorry. So before, before I let you derail us. Uh, no, now you're not about to derail us. You're about to take us down the nice road. I understand that. But I wanted to talk about why I'm having so much trouble with answering that question, yes. Because inherent, when you say inherently racist, that suggests a level of permanence, that it's, that's, that's a core characteristic that is not going to change. So, I, I, you know, me being the optimist that I am, hoping things that get better, I, I have a hard time saying it's inherently racist. I really struggle with saying yes but all the evidence i have so far is unfortunately it is now that's interesting because i disagree with you on what inherently means to me and in, in that you know context we inherently for me is that it i mean i could be inherently pessimistic and that doesn't mean that i can't catch myself and do the things i need to do to display some optimism to, to, to act in an optimistic way. So for me, it's, it's are some of the underpinnings of it leaning in that direction. And if you don't do something significant or intentional, that's the way it'll go. That's the way it'll be. So we do have a difference in opinion on what the word inherent means. And I guess we can go to some dictionaries to help us solve this. And, and we this, will, this as we are wont to do. As we are wont to do. <laughs> but to me, what you described is having a tendency to lean a certain place. Oh, look so at you with the Oxford. The question is, is this form of democracy, does this form of democracy tend to be racist? Ah, listen to, oh no my comments. gosh. Okay, so Merriam-Webster and the Oxford Dictionary differ. Okay. The Oxford Dictionary says, in a permanent, essential, or characteristic way. And actually that's, it's not, it, it doesn't, it's, it's an or, which means that it could be permanent, but it could also be characteristic. And that's where I'm leaning. It's towards the, it has the characteristics of such. And so unless we do something to kind of, um, and then Miriam Webster says, is involved in the constitution or essential character of something, belonging by nature or habit, intrinsic. And so, again, to me, there's not necessarily, it could be permanence, but it's not necessarily permanent. So you leave a tinge of optimism that things can be changed. So I, I accept that. Um, I, I hope that's right. <laughs> Certainly in this case. Certainly in this case. I think I'm going to die an American and I have kids that probably going to live most of their life as an American on Americans. Soul, so uh, I hope things have the ability to be better. But why did why did you say? What's, what 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 goes through your mind when you, when you hear this question? Well, first of all, when I initially thought of the question, 
I was thinking capitalism. <laughs> so this whole show so, is off. <laughs> but looking at both and, and realizing that they often are talked about hand in hand uh, when you talk about systems of uh, both economics and politics in, in various places. When I think of democracy, particularly the U.S. form of democracy, uh, and again, we, we can go back to our definitions, and I should probably look at now Oxford and Merriam-Webster at the same time. So a lot of people think it is, you know, it is government by the people, but on top of that, it usually is either rule of the majority or where the power of the people, quote unquote, the government is is controlled by those who are chosen to represent the people. And I think our form of government, going back to intrinsically and inherently, was based on a system of representation that was racist for all intents and purposes. I mean, actually, it's more than for all intents and purposes. It was racist, right? I mean, the way in which the founding fathers set up this system of representation. And then even as we went through, you know, the Civil War and, and giving certain privileges based on land and ownership, I mean, that looks like an oligarchy. And it's just, it's, it, it is very different than what I think is, is the, the picture that a lot of us have of democracy. And it was based on what I would say is largely an indirect and that indirect has the ability to be manipulated, especially by those in power. Did I just ramble or does that make sense? No, it makes sense. It makes sense. So when did black people get the right to vote? I'm, I'm all confused now. I'm all messed up. Oh, see that you're supposed to be my, our history buff. Yeah, I know. And I'm this, I guess I'm in pain on this topic. So I'm, I'm, I'm blacking, I'm blacking out a little bit. <laughs> all right. So it does say that it was the 15th Amendment granted Black men the right to vote under law. Okay, so that was in 1870. Okay, and I knew it was the 15th Amendment. I couldn't remember when it was. Yes. Um, I, that, by the way, that was just men, but I think you're, that's what that, you're, you're that, that, That's what I was asking. I, I was going to get to when women okay. got the okay. right to just, vote, just, which was the 19th just, Amendment. Okay, so Since right. we already hey, talked about it. Hey, history. And, that, and that's 1920. <laughs> so, in... <laughs> And whether or not, because we were talking about racism, we weren't talking about sexism. Um, that's we'll why I that. asked we'll about- get to that about, later. We'll get to that later, but that's what <laughs> I asked about Black folks as opposed to asking about women. Okay. So in 1870, Blacks were given the right to vote. Did you know okay. that Native Americans weren't given the right to vote to 1924? I did know that. It was part of um, something I was reading about the, even when women did, you know, the Native. So it's, it, our history is just kind of crazy as far as that is concerned. But yeah, I mean, that is, that is another perfect example of the, you know, I think one of the other definitions talked about eligible people. And when Correct. you start to talk about that, then, you know, if your system of government is based on these laws that have a definition of what a person is and their entitlement to their, you know, to, to participating in the quote, the democracy. Does that democracy umbrella cover you and are you eligible to participate in it? And when you look at the US history, unfortunately, yeah, um, participation has been racist. 
Right. So 1924, the first people here, the original people here weren't given the right to vote. I mean, that sounds crazy. The Indian Citizenship Act. Chinese, the Magnuson Act, 1943. That's when they were given the right to vote. So, so if you were Chinese, you were ex. So, so you, you were not an eligible person. Well, well, so, so eighteen seventy, right? Let's talk about this just a little bit. I know this is definitely diving down a little rabbit hole. Eighteen seventy, because slaves were explicitly denied, am I, or did not have personhood? Is that is that accurate? Could, did not have citizenship. That's did correct. Did not have citizenship. Correct. So, was there something that said that Native Americans did not, or that said that whites only did? in the documentation before that point because it just it, it's interesting to me that um and of course it also specified males it always specifies males men right um so just to give that little side point of, for, for the women out there woo woo. so <laughs> is there something that because it, it's just uh, that gets to again sort of the fundamentals and and literally the constitution that our constitution the little c constitution that our big c constitution places on our democracy is is there something that why did they have to grant that to native americans why did they have to grant it to chinese because as far as, far as i understand i mean again i'm not the historian blacks were the only ones that were explicitly excluded so it would seem that once that got sort of amended. Yep. So. It would have been open door for everyone. Well, so to answer your well, question. Not open door, but that, that there was nothing to prevent them. Like when they showed up, what law were they going to show? Right. So to answer your question, the Constitution of the U.S., 1789, granted the states the power to set the voting requirements for people. Got it. So when those states formed and set the, the voting requirements. They um, probably only thought of people that look like them, talk like them, act like them when they set those voting requirements. Clearly at that time, they did not, in, not write in the First Nations that were here um, being the Native Americans. And they probably at that time were not significant numbers of, I guess Chinese were the first Asians to come in mass. So they probably were not that significant number of Chinese for them to consider. But when they wrote, when those states, and, and some states varied, um, there were states that actually allowed some Blacks to vote in 1789 when they, when they established that. So, so it, was, it varied by state. Yeah, I'm just looking, and it says in the early history, it doesn't give time frames, but some states allowed only white male adult property owners to vote, while others either did not specify race right or specifically right. protected the rights of men of any race to vote and that freed slaves could vote in four states right um women were largely prohibited from voting as were men without property right so again when i talked about the oligarchy i think there is this feeling that there's there's a lot of democracy the u.s form of it it's, it's gone through some, some changes, but ultimately it's underpinnings, it, what makes it inherently racist and classist, I think we've seen, and, and sexist is, is the, the, it's, its history and it's ultimately its habit. So, so T League, I got to challenge you a little bit. Come there will be some now. people that say, okay, we're not proud of our past, but our past is in the past. 
and now all p all citizens have the right to vote. There's no more poll taxes. There's no more property requirements. Women are allowed to vote. Why isn't that racist or sexist passed behind us and everything is okie dokie now? Why are we still talking about this? You gonna you gonna give make me give you a, an analogy that's one of my favorite analogies. Okay, I love analogies. So, is it a sports analogy? No. no. Okay. <laughs> so we have talked about, and it's it's interesting because this question could actually be extended to a number of different topics, right? It, right. That in fact, I, I we could probably ask: Is the practice of medicine inherently racist? Is healthcare inherently racist? And that's where you know that's that's my my area to 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 focus on, and and that I I really am passionate about. So, you know, I think when you start, just like we started with a lot of the research that was done, the medical research was done on men, right. um, white men in particular. What you develop and how it grows is based on those origins, those roots. And I think similarly, even this concept of voting in the middle of the week, you know, potentially when others are laboring, <laughs> it favors those who have a much more leisurely life, right? So I think that the system has evolved, but we, un again, unless you do something very intentional to bring in, I mean, you could tell you can, hey, you can make it, you know, legal for X, Y, Z, and, you know, Native Americans and Chinese and uh, Americans, I presume, to vote. But if you have not rectified the things that were put in place to prevent them from voting in the past, you know, and then you start to get into a lot of racist laws that were passed you know, both de facto and de jure, you know, I mean, it, it's stuff that was put into law and then stuff that just kind of got formed around it as this is the way we do stuff. Unless you look at rectifying those things, you continue a process, a framework that largely disenfranchises those who it was initially not intended for. Okay, so we can't just ignore the past. And say everything's fine stop you know some people say oh you're just complaining about what used to happen get over it and, and get on is that a trick uh, question because you don't believe that do i believe you have to get over and get get over stuff I, I mean i think there is a time to get over stuff okay but in this context <laughs> so what i believe is and maybe this is a sports analogy oh um, gosh you know it is it's coming from you uh and i and I, i'll take a sport that I haven't played since I was 12 years old. When people are protecting the goal, and I'm talking about soccer in this instance, you have to make an extra effort and extra attacks on the goal to score. So while I won't say you have to get over the past, I think you have to recognize it. I think you have to scheme against it. And so I'm saying the opposite of getting over it. I, I think you have to highlight it and put in the extra effort to defeat it. And so I'm not interested when people want to complain about the past and don't want to do anything about getting through it. Yes. Um, so, you know, I, I think we have to, where people are trying to hinder our ability to vote, instead of voting, we need to vote 
twice, three times as efficiently as other people vote. I get frustrated when I see people say, well, they're trying to steal our right to vote, so I'm not going to vote. It's not going to matter. No, that's the time when you, you need to vote. You need to carry some extra people to the polls with you. There's a show on that, by the way, for those. There of you is a show know. on that. I don't. <laughs> we'll, I don't want to regurgitate we'll, that show. We'll, we'll include a link to that show. How about that? <laughs> I don't want to regurgitate that show. So, so I, no, I'm not one of those people that say. I, I am one of those people that say I don't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about the ills of the past. I want to work towards the solutions of the future. So, so yes, if if people just want to talk about it, I'm and I have I'm I'm on a podcast, so I have to be careful what I'm saying here. But if people just want to talk about it, I'm not interested. But if we want to talk, formulate action plans, and follow those action plans, then I'm all for it. Okay. And I, 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 hey, you know, I don't think we're here to complain. I, I think that we are here to to talk about action. I think this in itself is is the first step. I love what you're saying, which is that it's not about complaining about it. I mean, the question that we're asking is actually a question that we do need to talk about and understand that this is this is where we've come from. This is what we have a risk of introducing and we need to do all we can to rectify it. And that's why you have these organizations that are there. Maybe it'll help people understand why those, you know, all of this get out the vote and is, is there. Um, so I, I don't think that you're being, you know, um, you're contradicting yourself. I think that, yeah, understanding this and acknowledging it to your point is actually the first step in figuring out how we can make sure it is not racist, that our, our form of democracy has overcome, um, to use uh, we shall overcome. We, we haven't overcome yet. We shall, though. But we shall. Yeah, we shall. And uh, yeah, so I, I, I just encourage people to think about it, think about why, and think about, you know, this is part of our conversation here. I think we're, as we talk about it, we start to understand what we need to look at and maybe even start to analyze that stuff. Like, what is it that is built into it that came out of, you know, the early 1800s that is actually disenfranchising those that we seek to franchise and so or enfranchise sorry <laughs> i guess if you've come dis in you gotta end <laughs> that's right and you know so. it's interesting because it's it's not an easy it's not an easy topic you brought up something that i i you know i never used to think about but access to the polls you know i've always been fortunate enough to have relative freedom in my work where i could take off in the middle of the day if i needed to to go vote or, or or what have you. But if people are not in that position, if they have to decide whether or not they make rent money or go vote, you can't blame a person for deciding to go make rent money. Yeah. You know, no one ever thinks about that. You know, it's interesting there. Again, I always talk about New Orleans because to this date, even though I haven't lived there for the last 10 years, maybe longer, when did I leave? But anyway, <laughs> I still know the political scene better in New Orleans than anywhere else. And I need to change that because I need to know where I live better than anywhere else. But <laughs> one of the things in New Orleans is you have voting places that are in neighborhoods. And that's great if you live in that neighborhood. But if it's not on the public transit line, then yes. that becomes a yes. barrier yep. to voting. And, and you don't think about those things and why they were set up that way. And you have to think about them. We, we need to think about them in order to fix some of the ills that, that are surrounding our Form of democracy in America. 
Yeah. No, and I, I, I think, I mean, we, and we have this issue with, again, our form of democracy, which does have a balance between the state and the federal. But when we have such a varied, so, so it's, it's fine if, if the state is controlling what is going on in its state. But when you start to talk about that, the way in which all these various election processes are deciding one singular, um, this is where we get into this, hey, Texas is, wants to sue Georgia because their rules are allowing this and that. I, I think that we do need to have some consistency, especially because we have those processes leading to the federal decisions being made um, for our representation, which is absolutely critical. And again, going back to the landowning, that's why we have this sort of disproportionate representation as it relates to the Senate. Right. Um, where we've got, you know, two people for California, where there's 40 million people and two people for Wyoming. Wyoming. <laughs> Why did that come to both of us? That's funny. Well, it's the least populous state. <laughs> I didn't know it was the least, but I know it's not very populous. And it's definitely less than, it's less than a million, right? Isn't it? It's, I think it was like. Yeah, I don't know the population, but eight. I do know it's the least populated state. Oh, uh, okay. So, yeah. So it, I think that you can... 586,000. Oh, geez. Yeah. So <laughs> that's a hard one is that they are voting. When you talk about the rule of the people, you're not talking about the majority even anymore. Right. And when you think about the Senate, the Senate has the power to, that's, the Senate is the most powerful uh, legislative branch. Uh, and, you know, yeah. we're fighting over control of the Senate right now, but for Wyoming to put two people in just as California, New York, or Texas, or, you know, Illinois, what the bigger states do. That um, seems to contradict what we're talking about here. That seems to here contradict of... one person, one vote, fair representation. Yeah. Did it make sense in 1786? Yes. Maybe. Does it make sense now? Probably makes sense to revisit <laughs> well, and I think that I think that someone did the 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 math. I, I actually heard about this on a radio show, and not not I didn't see an article. So I'll, I'll look and see if I can find something to include as a link for this. But they were talking about the the proportion of some of the races, particularly Hispanics and Blacks, in terms of what their vote is equal to for you know versus a white person because of the representation in these various you know at the at the senate and based on you know again so this is more at a federal level and and it was less than one in terms of the the sort of value of your vote which goes back to your point about all of us coming out to really to really make things happen and we've been doing that so kudos to, to us with that that kind of sort of battle that we're fighting, you know, and you look at the Hispanic population and not being able to vote for president in Puerto Rico, that cuts the number of, of Hispanics, but then their their actual voting power gets diminished. And so I think they're they're lower than black folks. So it's it's really it is really something that we've got to look at at how we're structured and how we execute this democracy uh, in the US in order to to prevent the inherent nature that is in there, so. Inherently racist. <laughs> so we, we have to schedule that show about capitalism. You know, that's a hot topic right now and whether or not capitalism is inherently racist. So we'll call that part two to this okay. inherently racist series. And sexism, we'll have, to, we'll have to do a whole series on that too. 
That's right. That's right. Because we don't <laughs> we don't want to just attack half of the pressing issues. <laughs> so well, you got half half of me. So I'm I'm good for now. <laughs> okay. Okay. So what more do we need to cover on this topic? No, I I think we just want people to join the conversation because I think that the more we can discuss the things that need to be rectified in order to combat this inherence. Um, is that a word? Inherits. Anyway, we've got to think about that. Um, <laughs> I, I think I've invented a lot of and, words. On this I, I know, me too. I feel like I'm like, is that a real word? So if, if we're battling this, then we need to know what it is we need to be advocating for. And we've talked about this on other shows as well. We need to make requests of our elected officials, right? Now that they're in there to represent us, what is it that we need? And we need to have the conversation. So to your point, access to the polls. That is that is huge. Having public access, at, you know, with, with we're increasingly more absentee ballot and vote by mail. So that helps with those who cannot take time off. So we're getting to those things but we need to discuss them and make sure that they are bubbled up and prioritized and that we hold people accountable to pushing those things for us. Right. And we can't rest. I mean, you know, the absentee and, and, and mail-in voting was a hot topic because we were in a pandemic. There will be efforts to roll that back when yeah. the pandemic lifts. So we need to be careful. We need to be vigilant about making sure that um, some of the good things that came out of this tragedy that we've, we've been going through remain. And I think higher levels of mail-in voting and absenteeism, because you're getting more people participating in the process, is definitely one of those good things. And, and we, need to, we need to continue in that direction as opposed to using the excuse of no more pandemic to roll those back. Yeah. So we got to keep our foot on the pedal, people. That's right. So to prevent this, this inherence <laughs> from taking place. That's right. So one thing we haven't done enough of is told you all the Email us, no stupid questions show at gmail.com. Uh, we like to hear from you. You can always put messages up on, on whatever platform you're hearing this podcast on, but we'd like to hear from you directly. Let us know where we making a mark or missing a point. And there is it is a word. I looked it up. It's in <laughs> Merriam Webster. <laughs> so yes, please, please reach out to us. Tell us when we don't. When the word doesn't exist, uh, just so we could keep our vocabulary straight. <laughs> That's right. Thanks, everybody, for listening in and hope to hear from you. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. You can ask any question that you want or don't ask no stupid ass questions. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>